0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Don't forget, in addition to my YouTube channel, you can also catch The Edric Show on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Wherever you find your online podcasts, you can find The Edric Show. Please hit the like button, subscribe. Give us a comment. Let me know how I'm doing as I continue to bring interesting and intelligent conversation each and every week. And I am pleased to announce a new series as part of the EDUC show. It is titled Black History and Progress. And I am pleased to be joined by my co-host in the series, the one and only Bonita Knuckles. Bonita is program chair for the successful Black History Celebration in Sassoon City, California. She is a retiree from the United States Air Force and holds a master's degree in nursing science. Bonita has received numerous, numerous civic awards for her commitment to actively improving our community through service. She attributes all of her dreams and accomplishments to Yahweh, and cherishes every life lesson learned from him. Bonita, I'm pleased and honored. Welcome to co-host the Black History in Progress series.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Edric, and good morning, Dr. Elliot. As the Sassoon, oh, sorry, thank you. (laughs) As the Sassoon City Annual Black History Month program chair, I'm excited to partner with you, Edric, on this major endeavor. Uh, as you both are aware, on February 4th, I chaired the very first annual Black History Program in Sassoon City, and um, the program was a major success, and I take none of that success of my own, but its community members, such as yourself, as you graciously hosted the entire event with me, and Dr. Elliot. To make something like this possible. So again, I thank you for that uh, gracious welcome. Uh, as you know, an impetus to this series, the mayor of Sassoon City, um, she awarded me the proclamation to keep the momentum going. And so I thought, how do we do this? and what better way than to capture what's going on in our community among significant people that, work, that are doing the work every day. Uh, my philosophy is that Black history is not just something to be recognized once a year, but it is something that since we've been here on the foot of this earth, uh, we've been doing. And so Uh, I had the opportunity, the fortunate opportunity, and I'm sure you as well, uh, to meet numerous people and just embrace the work that they're doing to keep our community active, thriving, educated, alive, and vibrant. So with that being said, um, this is the beginning of this amazing series, Black History and Progress. So welcome, community. Welcome, Dr. Elliot And Edric, I turn it back over to you.
0: All right. Thank you, Benita. And let's get the show rolling. So now our guest of honor, I want to welcome Dr. Terrence Elliott. Dr. Elliott is dedicated to uplifting and liberating people by instilling the importance of education through community involvement. He served as professor of music, hip-hop, and popular studies at Diablo Valley College in Concord, California, and Dr. Elliott has shared significant cultural exchanges with his cohorts in West Africa. He was a featured presenter at the Kumase Cultural Center as part of Ghana's 2019 Year of Return festivities, and he recorded original music with his students at the Cultural Links Music Studio in Accra, Ghana, His recent books, Spirit, Rhythm and Story, Community Building and Healing Through Song, involves the power of music and music therapy toward healing communities. He also wrote Hip Hop Music, History and Culture, the first e-textbook for hip hop music instruction in the California Community College System. Lastly, Dr. Elliott completed his sound healing certificate and now focuses his time and efforts working in the community to help with stress management, Anger, depression, and anxiety in males from the African American community by using drum circles and sound healing treatments. Dr. Elliott, we are honored. Welcome to the show.
2: Wow. Great introduction. Thank you both for having me here. You are Uh, very
1: welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So Dr. Elliot, uh, I want to reiterate the amazing moment of destiny, which I would call it when we met in a <laughs> restaurant, uh, maybe uh four months ago.
2: Yeah, how and the spirits lead us, huh? <laughs>
1: absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and that is the power of just acknowledging one another in community, you know, if you all, you and the vibrant group of young men, which I later learned were your mentees, uh, you, you all were just so pleasant and you spoke to uh, us. And that, that's what community is all about, just checking in. And so with that led to uh, you being present at the Black History event. And now we're here again today, full circle. And so I have the pleasure of uh, with the, offering you the first question. And that question is, Dr. Elliott, why is it important to you that we celebrate, celebrate Black history year-round and not just limit the teaching of our history to the month of February? Well,
2: that could be a whole dissertation and a whole new book I could put out. But I'll try to limit my thoughts on everything. Um, you know black history when we study black history we're studying world history i was taught by my professors at san francisco state i went to san francisco state um in the in the mid 70s and when i went there to major in music um i started taking a lot of black studies classes and end up having a double major music and black studies but i was taught so much and by some great professors you know um Black Studies was first started at San Francisco State in 1968. So, you know, it was just a pleasure being there and having some wonderful professors. And they taught me when you travel to the continent of Africa, the four corners, it's like five major regions, but to the four corners of Africa, you've traveled the world. And really, when you study about Black history, you know, it's another term I I hear young people don't want to even use the term African-American as much as they want to use the term Black history, because it connects us more throughout the world with our people. But when we study Black history, we're studying world history. We're really understanding the origin of mankind. We're understanding all the attributes that come out of that. So one of the things I try to learn, I was taught by a lot of friends and colleagues that every day we should be trying to learn something about ourselves. As black people, especially in America, we've been robbed of this kind of history. We still see there's a lot of blocks today by governors and politicians saying that you shouldn't read certain books, you shouldn't know about certain information that shouldn't be passed on. So our history is so rich But our stories are important that we need to be able to tell our own stories. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about history, we know it's someone else's story uh, portraying on us, his story, as I break that down. And I was always looked at my story is always the mystery. So, oh, that can't be true. So when we take the word my story, we kind of look at mystery and his story as being are our our story. But we all have to be able to learn to tell our own stories. So I think it's very important that we are teaching our children, our grandchildren about who they are, um, making sure that they're reading and learning this knowledge. And so when we just real quickly to give attributes to those leaders, we give attributes to Carter G. Woodson, who started Black History Week in 1926, And it became Black History Month in 1976. So we know there's a lot of stories to to, to go all around why we do this. But it's an important part of my life, who I am.
0: Well said. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, uh, in addition to Dr. Elliott and I sharing A wonderful background in terms of both being graduates of San Francisco State University. We also hail from the wonderful Parchester Village in Richmond, California. So uh, let me give a shout out to Parchester because we right and there's so
2: much to say about that. Right, absolutely. You know, Parchester was the first. All Black community west of the Mississippi. I mean, you know, yeah. people take that lightly. Edric. You know, we That's have right. to always brag about Parchester, even though it has changed quite a bit. It today. has, it has, but it is a history that we should be very proud of. Thank you for mentioning that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, let me ask you now about music. I know music plays such an important role in your life, and also in the work that you do with community and culture. So, can you speak to the power of music, uh, particularly your work that you're doing in the community and the impact it has on African American and African culture?
2: Well, I think music is very important. Um, I had the pleasure of being the chair of Black Studies at Contra Costa College um, in the '90s, and um, somewhat in the 2000s um, before I became administrator um, and. You know, at first, I was kind of embarrassed when I would come in with colleagues to talk about, you know, I'm the musician, you know, I'm a music man, and because I always thought sociology, psychology, the historians were really the purveyors of this kind of culture, but as I learned to be more proud and understand that musicians are really the ones, and the artists are the ones who really teach about our culture to pass it on. And I had such a great privilege of learning about culture, traveling to the continent of Africa. I first uh, went to Nigeria in 1981. And just just to, to be connected with music, being a musician. So I went out there with Wajumbe, was a, a dance Um, troupe and, you know, music and dance And, and no better way to go to the continent of Africa, no better way to share history with our community as being a musician. I'm still a performing musician. I perform pretty much weekly and get out there. But this new thing, this new found thing that I get into probably about 10 years ago I became interested actually when my father had Alzheimer's and, and, you know, I just, it was really devastating for me to see something, some, a man, a black man with such a great mind um, lose his memory and not be able to communicate at least for us. Maybe he was communicating well for others, but for me, I, I couldn't deal with it. So I started learning a lot about it. And something came about of learning about sound healing that this is an aspect of helping people like that. So it kind of put a little niche in my head. And later on, when I had time to really spend more time on researching and writing and learn and learning about this, I started, you know, writing and researching about this topic. And when I retired last year. The first thing I wanted to do is go back to school, you know, I have several degrees, but I decided to go back to school right away and get this certificate and learn more about sound healing because I felt it was really the missing ingredient in my life, first of all, and in my community's life. And, you know, my life, I feel like although I have achieved so many things and have accomplished a lot of things, I still was going through some anger issues. I still was upset about who I see myself and, and a lot of the negativity that's portrayed about black people, especially black men. And uh, even though I know these things and I was raised in the church and raised in a, a, a black family, I still was having issues dealing with a lot of these things. And so as I started learning more about sound healing, you know, my first thing was how I was going to help other people who have problems. But I was told by early teachers, you know, the first person you have to help is yourself. And most people get into these things that are called healers. You know, I'm not sure we're really healers, but this is the title we're given um, is the first thing we have to heal ourselves. And we find music It has that aspect. So I started learning about this and learning so many things, and I'm still a student of learning, but I feel like almost everything that led me up to this point has almost been practice in my life to to find out who I am today. And it probably has taken me to retire and have this long career, 40 years of working in the institution of education that I have learned who I really am and who I really am is someone has to go out and continue to heal thyself. Um, you know, that was the key philosophy in the Kemet temples, right? Heal thyself. And that's what we have to be about. We have to learn who we are. We have to work out healing ourselves, things we put in our body, the things we put in our minds, and the things, how we deal with our soul. So as we deal with our emotional self, music is a great way to deal with it with the frequencies and vibrations and so I use sound healing you know I use things like bows like the sound healing bow you know where we could kind of hit a bow and hear the different frequencies um, of the bow I'm not sure if you can hear that sound
0: mm-hmm. okay. that beautiful sound
2: yeah. but these things have been used forever right and, and as long as we go back in history, indigenous people have always used music to kind of get us to a closer place with who are our heavenly um, spirits and ancestors, and, and really rejoice who we are. So I tell people when I'm doing sound healings, it's like a tune-up, like our cars need tune-up, our bodies need tune-up too. And we have to quiet the noise in our heads and do a lot of the meditations one of the forms of meditation i use
1: wow (laughs) there is so much in that and Dr. Elliot. Um, we call you doc for short, right? right is it I okay? So. <laughs> uh, you took me back to the 60s. I'm a 60s baby. I grew up and born and raised in San Francisco. And uh, San Francisco was an amazing place. Yes, yes,
2: it is. Uh, between yeah, San Francisco cool is in some
1: ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so between San Francisco and Oakland, yes, I remember man. the music. It was so vivid. It it, it, it I think that's how we thrived. I know that is, you know, and now when I go back there, sometimes i look for those things and the culture is uh, a lot different. So I find myself going back and playing songs that I remember from years ago, and I've had the fortunate opportunity to be in your healing sound rooms and uh, amazing experience. Learning about the frequencies and, you know, just what heals my body and what makes me thrive. So like you said, going back to the beginning and bringing it forward um, just kind of grounds me. It grounds me. So thank you for that. Thank you for everything you do. Uh, Many uh, African-Americans never get the opportunity to travel to Africa. You've been graciously favored to travel to West Africa on several occasions. So the question, what cultural impact has traveling to Africa, you kind of mentioned it before, but if you can go into a little more detail, what cultural impact has traveling back to Africa had on you? And what have you learned from your experiences? What have you been able to teach others about themselves from your experiences?
2: Well, well, I'm trying to travel the five regions of Africa when we think of West, East, North, South, and Central. And I've been to three regions so far. I've been to West Africa, um, definitely Ghana and Nigeria mainly. I've been to Egypt, uh, North Africa, and I have been to uh, East Africa. Last year, I went to Kenya and Tanzania. so I'm hoping to go to the Congo and, and South Africa soon, maybe this year, one of those places. But um, I think the key thing is one of the things I use in my philosophy and in my podcast as well, I say this statement forward to the people's culture forward. And I believe that we don't really go back to anywhere. We go forward to Africa. Mm. We go forward to Africa in thinking. So I don't like to think of myself as ever going back. (laughs) I know that's the philosophy we use a lot of times. We say things, but I just want to kind of encourage people to think about that when we say forward to the people's culture. We're really forwarding this culture. We're forwarding for our kids, for our children, for ourselves and connecting to our ancestors, and I want to, you know, have that. So I think the connection for me going to Nigeria and Ghana and a lot of these places is really instilled more wisdom, still more pride in me. I think the first time I went to Nigeria, the thing that stood out the most were people coming up to me on the streets and saying, welcome home, brother, welcome Hmm. home glad you're here, you know, let us, why don't you stay here with us, we want you to live here among us, we yeah. want to give you a house or help build your house here, and it was just like, you know, as you can tell you, growing up in Parchester, we weren't told and given too much about, <laughs> people weren't going to give us anything, no. sometimes bad advice, uh, but, you know, and just having people You know, the big thing when you're going somewhere and sometimes when you look like me, you know, we're not as as rich with our, our skin melanin. And so we don't have all those things. And, you know, we have parents and friends saying, watch out for the animals and da, 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 you know, thinking all these negative things about Africa that we've been told. But you know, so you don't know how you're going to be perceived. So you, you you don't know how people are going to react to you when you come, and it is a pleasure. And it was just amazing that that you look just like most people there. You know, we are various <laughs> skin colors. We you know we have all the the dark yous and the light hues. So yes, we do fit in where we can't tend to seem like we're not among the people when we start using this english language because they start covering their mouths when you start talking and looking at you wow what are you doing only only white people can talk the way you do and that's what they start looking at me like strange they would say i thought you was fulani You, you know i thought you were this culture by how you look. But when you talk, we know you, you American, or basically <laughs> they say they think of America as white. So they say, oh, you white man. <laughs> so mm. that was alarming. But, you know, then you have to be able to educate people why we have a certain tongue, how we, we speak like we do. And this is funny because we even do that in our own communities. We judge people by how they speak. And you say, oh, you're not from here. You're not a regular black person because you can speak proper or something. You know, and it's, it's very amazing when you experience that even in the continent of Africa. But I have been enriched with knowing myself, having pride in my myself, being able to communicate with ancestral spirits, having readings, having different things, embarking in a lot of places in the continent. But having an open mind that I was going there to be home, right? Mm-hmm. Be be among my people to learn what I can, and and that's I think the key thing. You can't come there arrogant or egotistical about what we have or what we don't have. And I think the thing we hear a lot about when people go to Africa, uh, especially Europeans whites how they look at it they say poor people they're so poor they don't have this they don't have that but what i've learned from a lot of my travels is how poor we are as a people what the things that they do have is love for each other. They have a bondship. It's not about how much materials that you have gained and and how you dress, but it's how you love among people, how you communicate people, how you share among people. And I think the wisdoms that we learn from our faith-based understandings as we grow up, is really about how we can be loving and caring, how we can love ourselves, how we can love the next person and show that kind of love and, and respect for each other, not just about how much money I have and how big or nice of my car is or house mm-hmm. is. I think that's when we really learn about who we are. So I have to keep telling myself forward to the people's culture, forward. <laughs>
1: Wow, so rich. Well Thank said. You. Well I said. hope that
2: answered that. I had have went through a lot of places there for you. <laughs> no, that answered
0: it
1: definitely.
2: Uh, right. My
1: next
0: question was going to be a, uh, more about the healing power of sound, but I think you've touched upon that and you even got a testimonial from Benita. Uh, so Benita, if you're uh, okay with this, I want to ask a different question because sure. um, I am a hip-hop fanatic. All I love right. hip-hop. It's <laughs> in my culture. You can't Me see too. it on my wall, but... I have a, uh, I a see Justin
2: all the, the albums. And yeah, so, well, I got you know, I got I got
0: some hip hop in there, but on my wall, I've got a Justin Bull print of Tribe Called Quest. I got Randy C yeah. on my yeah. wall. I, I'm yeah. so Dilla is a poster is up on the wall. Right. So my question to you is this about hip hop. Um, Because people sometimes get hip-hop confused with rap music. Hip-hop is the culture that surrounds the music. Rap music can have all types of iterations. You know, now everybody would call it trap or drill, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different types. So when did you first realize the global impact of hip-hop as a culture? And what motivated you to to dive into it to the point to where you were actually a scholar and teaching hip-hop in our colleges?
2: Well, I think I realized this, you know, my journeys to Africa and taking students. I think in 2002, I took a a group of students from Contra Costa. I had an ensemble called Black Song and Poetry. And we went there to to actually be a part of a a festival. uh, And it was a choral festival and. As much as I thought, you know, I was playing, I thought there would be groups like us, but it was kind of more angelic kind of singing. But we came, we were a poetry and music uh, ensemble, and most of my poets were more or less in in the hip-hop flavor. You know, I won't call them all rappers, but we were in that flavor because it was spoken word and and some kind of forms of rap. But I realized when you come to uh, an area and as you start learning and exchanging we understand how so much of that has come from from there but when you go back we still see this exchange we still see the beauty of how it really reaches kind of communities and I think you know for me hip-hop Is so rich you know when you're really traveling anywhere these days you really want to understand what hip-hop what is the music from that area because when you know the lingo as we say you know the gestures and certain things you can communicate with people better when you know the kind of music Mm -hmm. they listen to and you have an understanding and hip-hop you know we know in in this country is kind of started in 1973 with cool hertz party right? But uh, we we also know it has such a rich history of communicating to what they call the streets, to the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Parchester was that kind of community that we grew up learning things and hearing things and having the street corner symphonies, brothers standing on the corner singing in harmonies or going to church and hearing different things. And music has so many flavors. And, you know, I always think if we really just controlled our music in America and how we kind of perceive it, that would be reparations for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Understanding the the power of music and how what so much of it goes into it. I hate to sometimes label it, but you know, I definitely came up as uh, R&B, funk, you know, kind of coming up from Parchester and a lot of the groups and stuff I went to when I went to Vallejo. I was a part of establishments that connected to Confunction. So, you know, I was really a, a musician. And so when hip-hop came along, you know, I always was interested with. but, you know, I was a musician. I thought, you know, I was a little, you know, somebody else. But I always connected with what was going on. I was one that loved more conscious hip hop. A lot, a lot of the groups you just named, I was more into that. But you know, also I came up with the era of Gil Scott Heron. You know, mm-hmm. someone I got to meet and, and got to learn from, and people like that. You know, sometimes he was given the title of Godfather of Hip Hop he never liked that title you know but i i was able to to work with the last poets and gil scott heron and people like that who really inspired me to do what i did um or what i do and so when i started really delving into hip hop more because when i started teaching at Diablo Valley College and I transferred from Contra Costa to Diablo Valley. You know, I was a black studies instructor and decided to move forward to my teaching from being an administrator. And I really wanted to reach more black students. And they didn't have black studies at Diablo Valley College, so I, I said I was in the music department and I said I wanted to teach a class that I can reach more Black students. So I decided to write, you know, and, and design a course called Hip Hop, um, Music and Culture. And so that's kind of got me into really making sure I knew more about it and how I can relate it to young people. Um, But I think the hip-hop culture has always been a part of our lives, you know, and it's been in different forms, whether we look at the comedians that, you know, we would listen to early on that had that certain lingo, or where we were in the churches listening to the preachers, how they had a certain uh, cadence in their Mm -hmm. flow. But all this has been in our lives. And, you know, and I've always been a musician out there working with artists and laying the tracks or laying music kind of pieces for people to to do what they do on it you know like we say we spit spit our game you know on on different things what we do so i think hip hop has always been a part of my life sometimes i didn't know how deep it was a part of my life like i said you know being a jazz musician i thought, thought i had some arrogance that i was a little above some of that But when I started really studying it and really started looking at my own history, I realized, you know, I've been into this hip hop since it began. And, you know, I was a part of that, you know, being at San Francisco State, where all these people would come to San Francisco State, like Dick Gregory and Gil Scott Heron, you know, so. And they would educate us about this kind of history that we all kind of came up with at the same time. So. You know, I like to tell my students I am hip-hop, you know, (laughs) like they say, yeah. And I think, yeah, that is a great question. How do we come to things? I think it comes to us before we come to it.
1: Wow. Doc, you are so significant and vital to our community. Um, It goes along with the theme that was presented for this first year's uh, annual celebration, remembering the past, acknowledging the present, and as you said, going forward to our future. You touched on so many things from health and wellness Healing the minds and the hearts of our brothers, and I would say our sisters, because when our brothers are healed, our sisters will be healed, Mm -hmm. our communities will be healed, vice
2: versa, (laughs) for sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, um, you spoke about our history as healers um musicians, you know, where did the drums come from? Where did they originate? And how do they resonate in our bodies? That's, that's a part of us in even up to the present, you know, everything that uh, was, you said, African Americans, you know, that's inherent in our ancestors, you know, they, they were they are and they still they were and they still are significant but they've been um, I would say not buried but it's so intertwined with a different culture that the history hasn't been passed on and so even though you know I I did some studying as a healthcare uh, practitioner on a new science called epigenetics uh, in other words, what's in our genes, what's from our ancestors, it's passed on. We may not even be aware of it, but it shows up in, in ways that um, we did not know the uh, the foundation of. But that's our ancestors, our history. And so the music that's continuing to evolve. You know, you said you've been hip hop all your life. Where did that come from? I, I see uh, the Our African ancestors dancing and moving to the drums and whatever they're chanting that was a form of hip-hop and now this generation we we, it's kind of strange to us because we haven't seen it in the form you know that they display their epigenetic roots in but it's moving forward so what's going to come in the next century the next decade we don't know you know but it's still inherent in our DNA. And we should never lose sight of that, never be ashamed of it, and always looking to um, who were the first, who were those progenitors and who's still active now, such as yourself. And even you, Edric, what you're doing with these podcasts, keeping it forward, introducing the technology and new ways of disseminating information to our youth, And what are they gonna do when they pick up the the baton to keep it moving forward? So I am so grateful to have met you. I'm grateful to you, Doc Elliott, for being the first guest in this series and for all the work that you've done in the past that you're currently doing and looking forward to what you're gonna do in the future. Take me with you when you go to <laughs> South Africa, please. This is a bag on national. <laughs> but um, thank you so much. And before I close this out, Edric, did you have anything else that uh, you wanted to share?
0: Yeah, just quickly, uh, Dr. Elliot. if people want to get in contact with you about the sound healing treatments or uh, your books, how can they get a hold of you?
2: Well, that's a great question. I would ask people to hit me up on Instagram if you'd have that. Um, Doc Elliot, 57, D-O-C-E-L-L-I-O-T-T, 57, Doc Elliot. I do have a sound uh, healing event. Um, I call it Experience or Journey coming up uh, Sunday, uh, April 16th from 2 to 4 here in Richmond. I'm doing them a lot out here in Richmond we we think of Richmond as the womb of the Bay Area, so yes, <laughs> come back to Richmond <clears throat> <laughs> and and experience a sound healing with me. And it's definitely a journey that we should all experience. You might go back to your spirits and ancestors. So you yeah, hit me up there, Doc Elliott fifty seven on Instagram. You can DM me and get in touch with me. I'm always putting out my. Um, information there Um, I'm sure you can get in touch with either one of you and get my number if you want a personal thing I I don't want to leave that here but but if you want to share that with people you know and you you respect that's fine as well but it is a pleasure of being here with the both of you Um, I I do have a podcast I'm moving to the radio so we're kind of transitioning I hope to be on KDYA coming up in the next month with my radio podcast on Saturday <laughs> mornings um, and doing that. And my podcast is called, I am him. I am healing in music and my website is also healing So there's a lot of ways you can hit me up, but I, you know, for us, you know, I'm trying to be a little more savvy these days, I think hit me up on my Instagram um probably would get to me the most. Unfortunately I'd probably spin and look at that more than, than I look at my emails these days um because my phone is with me and I, I kinda connect to that a lot. But again, thank you both. You know, and when when I say forward to the people's culture forward, you answer forward. So forward to the people's culture forward forward. All right. Forward. See, that's what we're about. All, All right. right. Thank y'all. Peace and blessings.
0: Thank you. Thank and you. this uh, this concludes our first episode of our new series, Black History in Progress here on the Edric Show. I want to thank Benita for partnering with me and her commitment to year-long focus on Black history here in Susum City, California, the Bay Area, and Northern California in general. We will have additional interviews with people from our communities who are having a cultural impact, so hit that subscribe button uh, so you get notified when there's when we post additional content. And remember, Black history is not just in February. Black history is always in progress. This has been the Edric Show. I'm Edric Jerome, along with Benita Knuckles. Our guest has been Dr. Terrence Elliott. And of course, this is always the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode. All right.
1: Thank you.